Content Marketing. I'm Amanda Milligan, the Marketing Director at Fractal, and every week on the show I interview marketing experts about the ways to know the value of your work and get buy-in for your strategies. This week we're exploring why all organizations, including nonprofits, civic organizations, small businesses, etc., need to have a brand and understand brand storytelling. Uh, to join us for this conversation is Commissioner Tanya McKenzie, who is an amazing PR leadership consultant, and I'm so thrilled to have her on the show. Welcome, Tanya. Hey, Amanda. Thank you for having me. I love this show, and I love what you guys have going on. So happy to be here. Thank you. Yeah, I think this is going to be a fascinating conversation, because as we talked about prior to the show, we haven't really focused on really specific types of businesses. We talk more generally about companies, like the standard type of companies, uh, brands that we are all familiar with, but there are a lot of other types of organizations that can really benefit from PR and marketing and storytelling. So uh, to give some context to this, can you talk a little bit about your background and how you got into working in all these different types of organizations? Absolutely. I got my first job like many people, I think, um, that went to college in college. And I think uh, my most impactful job was working in our health department. We at Cal State Northridge, I went to Cal State Northridge in Los Angeles, and we started the very first, I think in Los Angeles County, um, the anonymous HIV testing. And because we are a commuter campus, we have to do uh, marketing for our whole community, not just the school. So our health center started this testing. I was hired as the intern to actually launch um, this program. I had absolutely no idea what I was doing, but he basically said, the, it's your job to get the word out about this. Um, and now, you know, I recognize how storytelling uh, the ability to be able to have a voice in a community, give your organization and, um, you know, your, your title, just more uh, storytelling opportunities, how you connect with people, how you can be impactful and trigger them to take action, right? So that was my first job. But then I went on to uh, work for a YMCA. It was in the Bay Area. And a unique situation was moving into a city that used to be a town and being a part of that conversion. So most mm -hmm. people, you know, you move to a big city, it's already there. I moved to a town that was becoming a city. So they had to build, um, build a structure that could accommodate the new families and the residents of that city, that new city. The infrastructure was being built. They didn't have services for the youth. I was hired as uh, the marketing person, right? They didn't really have a title. They eventually wanted to move me to associate executive director, but I had to build my own position. What does that look like to somebody fresh out of college? Well, that meant a lot of uh, research, market research, cold calling, finding out what people wanted, and then going back, building these programs, hiring and training the staff, and then go market the program and sell it to the people that said they wanted these programs. Okay, lesson learned. Sometimes people say they want things, they really don't, or they want them, they don't wanna pay for them. 
Um, yeah, great. It was a lot of work, but at the end of the day, it really came down to building these programs. And because we didn't have a budget, oh my God, I had to figure this out. We don't have a marketing budget, so what do I do? I start calling editors and publishers of these magazines and newspapers in the area to pitch these stories about what we are doing. What I learned there is that PR can be an amazing component to add to um, your marketing strategy. You have to be able to tell the story. You can't just say, this is what I have, and this is what we're doing, and I want you to pay me money to be a part of it. You have to trigger people to understand and connect um, with what's going on. Long story short, we I built the programs. We eventually raised over a million dollars, opened wow. a new YMCA. When you can tell a story, connect people to how it will affect their life, how their quality of life is either, you know, being affected good, bad, or otherwise, it makes people take action one way or the other. And if it doesn't affect them, they share it with someone that does, right? So that was probably my most impactful, uh, you know, piece of understanding how PR and marketing work best together, and then how all of these organizations actually need those components built into whatever strategy they're trying to put together to grow their organization. I love that. So I feel like I have a lot of follow-up questions based on that. So first of all, I love that you mentioned that sometimes people don't even know what they want. Like you can ask them and then it turns out to not be what they're looking for. How did you work your way around that? Like, how did you figure out what needed to be done? Okay. So this is the thing when you learn about, um, you know, marketing, they, they give you all this, this list of things to do, right? Make sure you do this and you put this out there and you, you make these posters and you do this, that, and you do all these things and then none of them work. Some people bite because they just get excited about something new. And then others are like, yeah, no, what happened in this particular situation? And it was my most dynamic lesson is I thought I was giving these people what they wanted. I'm going to this new city. Um, I'm bringing technology to fitness everything's going to be new, sparkling, amazing. Oh yeah, we're going to have so much fun. And girl, they let me know, you need to go back to where you came from. You don't even know what we want. We don't want that. They were very resistant. Now, part of that is understanding that, okay, change is something that strikes fear in a lot of people, especially when you're talking about technology. Many people, even now, are still hesitant when it comes to technology. So now I'm gonna put, be putting computer screens and TVs on your treadmills. And I'm thinking this is the best thing since sliced bread. And they're like, um, no, we don't even like our bread sliced, okay? Stop. <laughs> so I had a town hall. Once I realized what I thought, I knew that they wanted, I was all the way wrong. I decided to just back up and I had a couple of different town hall meetings to really have an in-depth conversation, not between, uh, you know, flyers and uh, posters and something they might read, but it was very one-on-one. -on -one. And then trying to find out if what they're saying, I actually understood it. And I think we can do that better even in conversations is not listen to respond, but listen to hear what they are saying and ask them, so is this what you mean? Will this help in this situation? What are your pain points? Would this be a solution for you? Sometimes they don't know and they're open to trying new things. And sometimes it's like, absolutely not. But at least you have those conversations. And when you show that you're listening to hear 
and you're having a level of compassion and empathy for where their pain points are, then that opens up the conversation a lot more. So, you know, sometimes you have to get one-on-one with people. Sometimes you have to have conversations. Technology is not the end-all be-all to every relationship, especially when you're dealing with communities, children, um, and active older adults. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So it's, I know there are a lot of limitations to surveying, for example, because it limits the way that they can respond. And sometimes that touch, like you're saying, where you actually talk to them one-on-one and it's a full conversation, you start to get maybe more at the root of why they answer the way they do or the reasoning behind it. So you also talked about storytelling. I want to dive into that a little bit more, especially, and tell me if this is an experience you've had where you work with an organization that doesn't quite know what its story is. Like they kind of know, but they haven't really hammered it out. Uh, How do you go about working with them to craft what that story might be? You know, I think there's rules to storytelling that people don't really recognize. First, you have to know why you're telling the story and then the situation and then something that is similar that would resonate with your audience. You have to know who your target audience is. It makes no sense to tell a story about something that's completely irrelevant to who you're talking to. So the goal, sometimes it's being connected, right? Let's say even in networking situations, if you're telling a story, why are you telling that story? You're trying to connect with someone. If it is um, a civic organization, or let's say a city councilman, why are you telling the story? Because you wanna connect with your residents. If you're a police department and you're sharing a story about something that has happened, share a story that will open up the mind. So you have to recognize that there are rules to storytelling, why you're telling it, who your target audience is, and what is the intended outcome? And again, that could be individuals. If me and you were just sitting around chatting, I'm trying to let you know I understand what you're saying or what you're trying to convey by sharing another story that's similar to that outcome. Um, there's also a level of confidentiality, especially when they're in intimate settings. Your job is not to run back and tell everybody what this person was talking about, especially if they shared something personal or intimate to be able to connect with you. So with that being said, um, depending on what the outcome, the intended outcome, the goals are, um, it's really important to hone in on what it is that you're trying to do with that target audience. Again, whether it's just your friend or an entire organization and you're trying to connect with your um, community, but getting them to understand, again, not just sending out a flyer, not just uh, posting something on social media, but really putting out information that triggers a response that you want from the person that either reads it or hears what you're saying. It could be a video, you know, it could be a story that you uh, put in text, but whatever the case might be, instead of just telling people, hey, this event is coming up, you might wanna tell them what happened last year at the event that was so dynamic or that affected quality of life for them. It makes no sense when people are not getting results by doing the traditional things in marketing to just keep doing that, right? Mm -hmm. So the storytelling piece of it becomes incredibly important based on the fact that most people are looking for better and more dynamic results. And storytelling is really where that comes in. Can you walk us through an example of a story either that you've worked on or one that you've seen a company use that you think was really effective? I think one of the uh, police departments that I've helped 
in the past was trying to really get the word out about the community work that they do, right? But for some reason, you know, just putting out a flyer wasn't working. Hmm, imagine that. <laughs> so what happened was there was a there was a robbery out here and it was right before Christmas. And uh, this lady had, you know, she has kids and somebody broke in her car and stole all her presents from the kids. Well, the police department, of course, they, you know, took the report. They went out and uh, handled it, found the guy, but didn't find the stuff. And the officers just on their own went out and bought gifts and gave to this woman to give to her kids, right? There was pictures that went along with that. So they were telling me about it, but no one ever showed the pictures. No one ever, like it didn't trigger to them that this is a story that you should be telling your community so that they know this is part of your brand value as a police department. These are things that your officers do on a regular basis when no one's watching, but you're not explaining that to people. So when you do come out and do something after let's say a George Floyd situation, they think you're being performative. Well, no, you have situations where you have done the right thing many times not being performative, just being who you are as a department, as individuals, as humans. So no matter what flyer you put out about a program or what press release you put out about a response, nothing is more impactful than seeing smiles on a kid's face that you put there after they had tears in their eyes. Yeah. Tell that story connect that to your community so that they recognize the work that you're doing. Because again, the traditional way of doing things, it's not bad, but it definitely needs to be accompanied by more dynamic storytelling that yes, includes video and pictures and things that help resonate with the target audience that you're trying to connect with. You brought up a really interesting point that I wanted to touch on in terms of seeming and being genuine and coming across that way. And it sounds like your suggestion is there's a consistency component to that. Can you dive into that a little bit more? Oh, absolutely. When we talk about uh, brands and you know brand values, brand statements, things of that nature, the actions that you take should be consistent. It really should not be something that you just do as a um, reaction to something that's going on in society. For instance, I believe every brand should have a cause that they champion. There's a couple of ways that this is important. One, throughout the year, you're doing something that contributes to that cause, whether it be for kids, for disabled, LGBTQ, whatever, homeless, you pick something that should resonate with the soul of your organization. So when something happens, you already have a proven path in which you've been following for a consistent period of time. This keeps companies out of trouble when it comes to, well, what are you doing um, about this social situation that comes out? Well, how do you feel about this? You don't have to be involved in every social aspect and every social crisis that takes place, especially when you've already proven that you have a brand that does good work and you know and it and it's consistent it's not reactive um you know it seems like over the last couple of years 
companies get really reactive, like, oh, this thing happened. So now let us go do this. And that shows that you're just being reactive or performative. Mm -hmm. People get very attached to organizations based on the work that they do, the products and services they they put out and the consistency that they show. So it makes sense to get that handled on the front end so that on the back end, you're not setting yourself up for failure. Yeah, it's practicing what you preach, right? When you're all the time randomly deciding to preach about something if you don't have uh, anything to show for it. And uh, yeah, definitely during Pride Month, this comes up a lot because every logo changes into a rainbow and everyone's like, oh, interesting. Like, what right. have you done to support this community? And you're like, and you're like oh. huh? well, the colors are nice. What? Stop. Stop <laughs> it. Stop it. But you don't have to get in the middle of everything. You know, one of the things that I love seeing, um, on t- talk shows, I watch a lot of talk shows and how they host. And sometimes I love, love when a host will say, I'm not an expert in that. I just don't feel like comfortable. I don't feel comfortable weighing in on that. Mm-hmm. What's wrong with that? Absolutely nothing. It's okay to say, I don't know enough about that thing to even weigh in. We are not charged with being experts in everything. And that's where people kind of get themselves in trouble. So when you have something that you become an expert in, when you have something that you have a proven track record in, it makes sense to stay in that lane instead of trying to dip your toe in another lane, you might get it ran over. So yeah, it being consistent is hugely important in regards to your reputation, your brand value, and what people become accustomed to seeing from you, you know? like. Ben and Jerry's, everybody knows where they are in uh, social impact. Yeah, they, they make it very clear. And when something happens that uh, goes against what they believe, they they speak up, and then they go back to doing what they do. They are consistent, so we know what to expect. And then you either support them or you don't, and mm-hmm. they're fine either way. Yeah, I think people they hesitate to alienate anyone, but at the, then they don't impact anyone. <laughs> They don't really speak to any particular group of people. They just, they, they, just wa- they wash it all out and they just, yeah, exactly. They just say really general kind of meaningless things all the time. And you're and like, what are you doing right now? What was that? <laughs> <laughs> what was that random thing you just did? Hey, like, you don't, you don't have to say anything or you don't have to be the first person to say anything. Sometimes mm-hmm. you can wait until, you know, more comes out, more information comes out about something and then weigh in but it makes no sense to try to be in the middle of everything. Yeah. yeah. Then you're not standing up for anything. Exactly. So assuming you have a story or several stories, depending on your audience and what you're trying to say, lined up, you have a good grasp of that. How do you go about figuring out the best way to tell that story? And you'd mentioned there's different channels for this, even just different formats. What is your process there? I mean, this goes back to the basics of marketing and understanding who your target audience is. Who's your tar- target audience and where are they? And why would you waste your time putting information out or stories out in a place where they don't reside? If you are servicing an active older adult community, you're not on TikTok, okay? We <laughs> know that. So you don't have to feel inclined to try to put out information and whatnot in places where your target audience don't understand. But I think honestly, that is where uh, many of many companies get in trouble is recognizing their target audience, where they are and kind of how you connect with them. 
and that's that's really the basis of it. Who is your target audience? Where are they? That's where your message should be going. And what do you what advice would you give to anyone listening who is at smaller organizations, maybe a small nonprofit or small business? They don't have communities established already, like they don't have a lot of following how they can start to reach people at that very intimidating initial first step of doing this type of work. You know, I, I'm old school on that one. Sometimes just pick up the phone, have some of your staff start making those phone calls, personal emails, finding out what, filling out surveys, finding out where, what social media do you have? You can even send out just a contact piece. Where, where can I find you? Or, you know, your name, your, is this still your phone number? Is this still your email address? Is this your Twitter handle? Okay, well, if you get a hundred surveys back and no one has a Twitter handle, you know, you probably shouldn't be putting out information on Twitter. That's not mm. a strong suit. If you send out a survey and you get, you send out a survey of a thousand and you get uh, 900 of your people have Facebook accounts, but they don't have Instagram, then you know where you should be having these conversations at. Maybe then you start getting into Facebook lives and have more interactive conversations. But there's so many ways once you take care of the basics and you take the time to find out who your customer is, then you're able to really concentrate your resources there and grow your audience. Even doing something as simple as you have a post and you put it out on all of your platforms and you see which one has the most response and interaction that lets you know this is where I'm going to get my bread and butter. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean you ignore the others, but you definitely have a higher concentration on where you have the most views, where you have the most interaction, and where you can be interactive with your community because that's where people pick up their raving fans is in the community that they service. Yeah, absolutely. I have a more general question for you since you are a PR expert. How do you see PR and marketing interacting and overlapping? Like what is the best way for them to work together? And I know that's a big question, but uh, I get asked it a lot actually. So I'd love to hear your input. My advice to people when especially trying to understand it, I say marketing is me telling people how amazing I am. PR is other people telling other people how amazing I am. Or, or your company, right? So when you put out marketing information, you're telling them what your great products are, how amazing you are, why they would want to spend time with you. Your PR is someone else saying that, is putting out information saying, Amanda thinks Tanya McKenzie is amazing. Amanda thinks Tanya's client is amazing. And it's a third party endorsement. Even with journalists, I think people have to understand. They think, oh, I'm going to go out and tell this journalist I'm amazing. And they're going to be like, yeah, she's amazing. I'm going to write about her. No, it's providing information that makes the journalist want to find out more about you from other people, other sources, and then tell the world about something amazing that you're doing. But the truth of the matter is you have to have both. To be a successful business, to have growth, to have incredible brand awareness, you have to be able to do both. And sometimes, you know, one weighs heavier than the other, but you have to know how to merge the two to make make the make the pretty picture. 
They have to work well together. You can't just have one without the other. So when people are like, oh, I do all this marketing uh, and no one knows who I am because you're still not doing the things that is required for other people to tell other people how amazing you are. I love that breakdown. Thank you for that. Uh, the One of the last questions, I think maybe the last question I have for you is one that I commonly ask because I love the insights that it gains. What do you think are the biggest mistakes people are making when they're trying to engage in storytelling? Again, they don't know who their target audience is, who they're talking to. They tell stories and put out details that don't have anything to do with the goal of the conversation, right? Mm -hmm. So even I'm also an author and I coach other authors and I'm like, those details that you're putting in is just a filler. You need to get to the bread and butter of it. Get to get to the punchline quickly because it takes too long to get there with all these additives and extra details. You might lose them. So you need to get to the point quickly. Leave out details that don't impact the, the story in general or the end goal. And if they want more, you know, when people are conversational or you, you have a story and they want more information, they'll ask. But for the most part, I think people put in so much fluff that they lose their audience sometimes. So Why do you no think people do that? Why do you think people get so fixated on this, the, the fluff of something? I don't know, but it's so <laughs> time consuming. I just feel like, stop, I don't need to know all of that. This is the thing, all right? I say, who are you and why should I care? Get to the point, even with products. If you're, if you're talking about a product, what is this and why should I care? Because people really want to know how it's going to impact them, how it's going to affect their quality of life. Get to the point. The fluff, if I want more information, if I want fluff, then I'll ask. But people really want to know, especially people that are being pitched, is who are you and why should I care? Who is this business and why should I care? What is this product and why should I care? And when you can deliver that, you'll have a greater impact. And you, you know, those details that you left out, then you have people wondering, okay, so then there's an opportunity to interact. But you can't just assume that people just want the fluff or they want to seem so smart. So they have all these words. No, we don't, no, you don't need all that. Get to the point. That's what we want to do here is find out what's going on, how that's going to impact quality of life, and then what can we do next. I think people have the false assumption that a story has to be long, but a story can happen pretty quickly. Pretty it's just got to have that beginning and the conflict and the resolution. And that's right. the story. This is what happened. This is the conflict. This is how it was resolved. Yep. Done. Yep. There it is. So Tanya, did I forget anything? Is there anything important that you want to share that I did not ask? Not too much. I think our PR lunch hour on Fridays on Twitter Spaces is probably a good place for people to congregate, yes. listen to some incredible stories, because that is really where the, the impact is had, right? We talk about strategy. We talk about our wins. We talk about our struggles. And we don't just put it out there. Usually there's a story to go along with that. And what does that do? It helps us understand how we can be um, an asset to the people that we're talking to. And it's not just me and Michelle and Tam, it is our audience. You get the mic. We wanna hear from you. We wanna hear what you have going on and then how we can all contribute to that because we are under the premise that we are better together. The better you do, the better I look. So let's help this person over here be better. 
So if anybody, you know, ever has the opportunity to um, jump on Twitter spaces on Fridays at 9 a.m. Pacific and 12 p.m. Eastern, you know, there's always space and time and opportunity to hear some amazing stories. And of course, have some laughs because I'm all about the laughs. <laughs> yes, I highly encourage anyone listening, even if you don't work directly in PR, if you're familiar with Fractal, you know that we do a very specific type of digital PR. Uh, this space is extremely insightful. There's a lot of really smart folks in there. Uh, that's where I met Tanya. So there are some cool connections being made, really interesting insights, highly recommend checking it out. And Tanya, thank you so much for coming on the show. My last question for you, I, I know I said that already, so apologies for lying. Who would you recommend to be guests on future episodes? Oh my gosh, let me see. Um, I have a lady that I think would be wonderful. Her name is Holly Beard. She actually is um, started a whole PR uh, wing of Mark Garagos's, uh law firm. Her stories are incredible. She's been in marketing and PR for a long time, honey. And let me tell you, I think it would do your listeners um, some good to hear some of the stories, uh, get some of those nuggets that she has to share and, you know, be entertained by some of the celebrities that she's worked with. Awesome. Yeah, really appreciate that recommendation. And thank you so much for coming on the show, Tanya, and sharing all of your insights with us. Thank you so much for having me. If you've listened to this and want even more tips, sign up for our podcast newsletter by going to the podcast page on the Fractal website. And if you've learned anything from this show, we'd love it if you'd subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and leave a review. Thank you to Sean Kelly for podcast music and editing and to Joao Pereira for logo design. And thank you, dear listener. I hope you'll join us next time. <laughs> <laughs>